This is a Podfire production. This podcast may include explicit themes or swearing and may not be suitable for children. G'day guys, welcome to Awesome Humans COVID-19 edition. I'm your host, Brett McCallum, and during this difficult time, we're trying to bring you the biggest and brightest humans we can off this amazing planet of ours. We're trying to give you some stories to keep you entertained whilst you're all locked away in isolation. Today's one's going to be an absolute ripper, so I really hope you do enjoy it. In today's COVID-19 special edition of Awesome Humans, I'm joined by Carlene Duffy. Carlene and her husband, Michael, were a husband and wife duo from the popular Australian TV series, The Block. Carlene started in the Glasshouse series back in 2014. Wow, six years ago. From being up all night painting and worrying about having their rooms critiqued by the judges, Carlene and her husband were fan favorites and tipped as the series winners. Although, well, I've heard, they're now known as one of the biggest losers in today's uh, <laughs> wrong show. But anyway, uh, having lost the series, <laughs> having put that past them, Carlene, along with her husband, have since started and hosted their own TV series, Ready, Set, Reno, while also running their blog, renovations and design business that combines the couple's passions, experience and creativity called Cedar and Suede. Great name for a business. Aside from their professional career, they live on the Gold Coast. They have two great kids. And they're just living life, locked up in isolation as we all are at the moment. Welcome to Awesome Humans, Carlene. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. Um, yeah, in general, I'm good and I'm healthy <laughs> and I'm happy to be here. So thanks for having me. No worries. Well, to be known as the biggest loser, what? That's not very nice. I didn't read that no, obviously no. before I read it. So yeah. What, well, what... it's um, it's true. It's <laughs> to be fair. I mean, okay, it's it's not true because <laughs> we we did win some money on the block. Um, which is sort of the end goal. Um, most people will tell you they're on there for the experience. But which, is all, which is all bollocks no, because you're on there to win cash. I think that's true because <laughs> no one needs that experience. Um, it's it's stressful and it's crazy and it's like no other. And, yes, in hindsight I can say actually it's it was like a benchmark experience, the block where anything now that happens in my life I can say, well, hang on. I've done the block, so I can definitely do this. <laughs> um, but we won ten grand on our series, as did another couple, and another couple won forty grand, and two couples won, you know, clear of I think two hundred or three hundred thousand. Um, and it was sort of unprecedented. The block had never experienced that sort of thing before. They'd had a series a few years ago where, uh, you know, some of the houses were actually passed in, but no one did well. So ours was a little bit funny in that the series before ours, um, which was Fans First Faves, it was just the the sales were out of this world and contestants were taking home. I think the minimum amount was the smallest amount taken home was like 400 grand. Wow. So they actually, I think the producers and the audience and the contestants all had fairly high hopes for our series. And interestingly, we were, I think, week one into shooting Glass House when they filmed the auction of the series before us and they actually took us to a room and had us watch it and were like, this is what (laughs) you guys are in for. And we were just like, holy heck, surely not. Um, And as it turns out, yeah, it was not. Um, So it was just a very, no one actually knows why our auctions went the way they went, but, um, it, you know, ideas of the market as it was, um, the building, the five couples all going up against each other in, you know, at once. Um, there was a whole, you know, reserves being too high. There's a whole bunch of reasons being thrown around. Um, Did they give you an expectation before you started? Like, How's, how, well, how's the process work? You you and your husband are sitting at home. What were you doing before that? Were you renovators? Had you ever renovated? 
Yes. So we were actually lucky because we were renovators and Michael was a chippy at the time. I worked in um, like a communications role at Griffith University, so in in the international department, Um, so completely removed from design or renovating. But at the time of applying, I was on... Like I'd sort of just come out of maternity leave with my second child and we'd, I I don't know what it was, but something had sort of flipped for me and I was very invested in design. I would just consume design blogs all day. I would live for my next um, Interiors Mag subscription to arrive. (laughs) Um, I was toying with the idea of starting a blog because I think I just loved consuming them. So I think going into the blog, I had a really good idea of my style and what, and also not just my style, but um, I guess a, a really good idea of suppliers and retailers in Melbourne that I could shop with through the process. Um, and, yeah, I guess Michael being a chippy, helped us through the process. I don't know how couples do it without having a trade. What was was the big thing that said, oh, actually, let's go and do the block? Was there one night just Um, watching it or how'd that work? We watched it religiously. Um, So we we did love it. And um, Michael just said, let's apply. And I was like, oh, we can't. We have two children. (laughs) Um, And he was like, well, let's. He actually said, well, we won't get in, so let's apply anyway. <laughs> so we actually were away camping and the the applications closed the night we were coming back from camping. So we literally came home, quickly threw a video together, and then I started the, the online application process, which was quite lengthy. And, and then there were so many applicants that the site crashed and they had to extend the um, the application deadline. Um, so we got through the next round. We got an um, email to say we've made it through the next round, which was uh, an in-person, on-camera interview um, where they, they really, in that process, just want to see how you interact with each other on camera. Um, they want to know that you can let your guard down. And because really, like the block, like any show, is all about the characters. Yeah, of course. Um, and storylines, it's very, it's success is very little to do with renovating. Um, and, and did you I understand mean, that before you went on it? Um, No. You and just thought I'm going to go in there and build a house and make some money? Is that what it was Pretty all? much. I yeah. actually, and I was quite consumed with the idea that my job here is to come up with the best interior spaces I can. And, and I really wanted this opportunity to be able to, I guess, prove to myself what I can do, but showcase, I guess, to an audience what I can do. And it was a lot of pressure because... We're, we're novices um, and not in renovating but in design um, at the time. Yeah, you're novices and then you have to prove to the judges, the Australian public um, and yourself, I guess, what you're capable of. And it's, it is, it's a, a lot of pressure knowing that everyone is there to be judging you and critiquing you. So it took me a while into production to be able to get my head around the fact that, yes, I my goal is to create an amazing space, but for the TV show, their goal is to create a story. Um, uh, it's interesting you say that word production because that's what it actually yeah. is, isn't it? A hundred percent, All these people see this storyline and, and mm. I know we hear a lot about editing and how some mm. people are the villain and some are the good people mm. and all that sort of stuff. And do you realise that when you're actually on set? Like do they stop you and say, oh, hang on a sec, can you go and do that again just to make that story better? Or do they? They, they try not to, but if there is something that, you know, they miss, they might get you to do again, but they don't get you to reenact 
like arguments and that sort of thing. Like if if they've missed it, they've missed it and they, they know that's not authentic if they're getting me to do it again. So none of that happens. Um, but when, you know, something interesting is occurring, then they'll, of course, stop you and interview you. And for me, I, I found that so off-putting I was like oh my god I just got a job to do and I already have limited time (laughs) and I just to get your head around the fact that there is a production element to this and and your capacity to engage with that is you know what the success of the show comes down to it actually took me quite a few weeks to relax into having a camera on me um because they're there at 6am and wake you up with that light in the morning in your face and want you to engage with the camera. And I found that so confronting. And then they'd follow you to the bathroom and, like, just I think for a woman that is, that's a lot. Um, So it really probably took me more than anyone else actually to relax with that and just get used to the fact that this is how it is and that there is a show to be created here um, when really I can be I can be very sort of oh I guess on on this track of and and, and single-minded of I have my job is to create an awesome space and that consumed me so as soon as I sort of did relax with that and get my head around the fact that I, I also have to contribute to this production, I actually had a much better time. Yeah, I would have. And, and the thing is, are you a morning person normally? Not really, no. <laughs> so and someone sticking a camera in your face, obviously. Oh, not. It was a lot. It was <laughs> a lot. And the, actually the crew just got used to the fact that I was not going to be, <laughs> I mean, I used to sleep with a mask on, uh, like earplugs, uh, a pillow over my head. <laughs> So they actually just got used to the fact that I was going to be pretty non-responsive in the morning um, <laughs> and they just relied on Michael to, to give them what they needed. And is he a morning person? He's much better, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and was much better from the get-go at giving them what they wanted. Okay. Um, yeah, so thank God for that. And is that because that's just the type of bloke he is or did he understand yeah. it quicker? Yeah, um, both. And he's more of a people please than I am. Um, so I also felt like, because in their bid to, I guess, sort of give you a character, I felt like I was being painted in a way that wasn't really me. Um, and then, you know, the crew are still getting to know you in those early days. As soon as they realise that, oh, yeah, this picture they're painting actually isn't accurate, um, I felt like everything changed and that's when I was able to relax and just be more of me um, and I can be quite dry um, and are quite sarcastic and Michael and I have what can be like fairly entertaining arguments um, and I think they found there was a better sort of storyline in that than there was in anything else. And so during this whole time, have you got a producer with you? Like is this same person with you? the whole series like how long is it three months isn't it goes for yeah three and a half months we filmed um but no there's so there's field producers um and but that changes every day and you might have the one crew on you for the most part of the day but they're also long days for them so that sort of changes um and oh god i can't remember how many field producers there were there might have been well there would have been probably five on set And do you get to know these people pretty well? Yeah, really well, yeah. Yeah. So they sort of become, and I mean, you're just, you know, you're living and working with these people around the clock. They become your family and your confidants and your support system. Um, They, you actually make some awesome friends living in that situation. Um, yeah, so it was actually really on the final day of filming, Michael and I actually stayed on for a few days because we were filming a, a commercial in Melbourne at the end of the show um, for one of the show sponsors. And we, it, it was the weirdest feeling because everyone, so you've just gone from, you know, trades on site, crew on site, contestants on site, just the the site is so busy around the clock. It's just buzzing with activity. 
And all of a sudden we were in this big building and it was just him and I and you oh, actually wow. it was the eeriest feeling and you're just so used to every day someone asking you what are you doing how are you feeling what are you doing next like to nothing and it's it was sort of a rude shock to go holy heck like this transition was pretty stark um yeah it was just like this we were waking up in this ghost town every day um, with no one caring what we were doing or where we were going. So that was, um, it was actually an adjustment and I think every block contestant could vouch for that and say and would tell you the same thing, that, that. There's a, there is a sort of a, a period there where you actually really miss, miss it, which is sort of blows my mind to say now. Um, but, yeah, you, you miss that, just that buzz of activity and that energy around you all the time. Um, so, yeah, it was wild ride. So during this time, obviously, you've come from the university and, and Michael's a chippy and you put your whole lives on hold. You leave your, your kids uh, mm-hmm. back home. You don't see them for, like, long periods of time. Mm-hmm. Are you thinking during this, okay, what I want to do is I want to create our own business to do this or I want to become an actress or I want to do this. What 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 sort of, when did you, the TV commercials that you guys have done, all that sort of stuff, is that just all supplementary or is that something that you guys thought there could be something that comes out of this? I honestly went onto that show thinking, because we have this, we bought this massive burnt down block, um, what's well, 10 years ago now, um, and we we honestly thought, well, if we we didn't really have any clear expectations, but we did sort of think, well, if we could win enough enough money to finish this house and renovate it how we want to, that would just be amazing. And you sort of everyone's thinking, God, if I could win enough money to like pay off my mortgage, yeah, yeah. I'm laughing. Um, so I guess from that was really our primary goal. We had no expectations of of life after the block at all um but we did we did do really well on the block in terms of the rooms we presented um we scored really highly and we proved to ourselves that we we as a team are are quite effective michael has a really good um understanding of like of layout and my thing is all colours and materials and textures and um, the soft furnishing. So together we worked really well. Um, so we sort of, we did know that and we were super proud of our spaces, especially doing them in, in the time frames in which we did. Um, we did know that coming out of it we could, I guess, leverage this however we wanted to. Um, but I think what it, like what, I guess the reason we were so motivated to forge ahead with building something out of it was because we actually didn't win money. I mean, it's financially sent us backwards because we earned 10 grand um, over a six-month period because after the show ends, then you go into a publicity period and you really can't work otherwise. Yeah. Um, so we it was it was actually not winning money that made me think, well if we don't leverage this in another way, it sort of felt like it was all in vain because we did have to leave our kids for three and a half months. And we we saw them in those in that period, like I'd fly home, Michael fly home, they'd fly down. But still that was a major sacrifice for everyone, um, including the people who were looking after them. So I was I was there was a lot of sleepless nights for me for months after the show. And I remember one night just thinking I am, like, the show proved to us that there's just so much out of your control, like there's only so much you can do. Like we made an apartment we were so proud of. We had a really um, strong real estate campaign, um, like marketing campaign. Um, We had the most number of registered bidders um, and yet our outcome was what it was. So I, I sort of made a decision in the middle of the night that going forward I am going to be responsible for our own sort of future and just make sure I work my ass off and 
do everything I need to do to make sure this this experience wasn't in vain. And that just for us just really started as making some content, which if we were renovating our daughter's room, we'd film it and we'd put a video together. Um, But I guess we, from the get-go, were fairly fortunate in we we did start getting a little bit of interest from the get-go from, you know, brands and media campaigns and to work in the space. Um, And then I think it must have been, I don't know if it was two years later, we, might have been even longer than that, that we started Ready, Set, Renault. Um, And was that your idea or someone else's idea? No, we were approached. It was somebody else's idea. um, And we, we filmed that. Season one that aired, and then we started same production company. Also, sort of started at the same time another one, another show with different with a different angle called Open Homes. So that and that one's sort of ongoing, Open Homes, um, and that's we just sort of cover the the Queensland homes in that. Yeah. Um, and then Ready Set Reno season two, we've actually just wrapped, and that's airing right now. It started last weekend. Congratulations! Um, thanks. Um, but those shows actually, they're fairly low maintenance for us because we essentially, or well, not, not in the renovation side of it, but in the hosting side of it, because um, we just, you know, have to sort of turn up and do our job. We don't have to look after any of the back end of that. Um, so Ready, Set, Reno is, it follows renovations, um, so others, other renovations, but our own renovation is like the through line of it and then it'll, the, our own renovation is revealed in the season finale. Yeah. Um, open homes is finished homes and it's usually about eight homes in an episode um, and, yeah, we, we essentially just do um, walking through those homes and interviewing the builder or the, the architect or the developer. Um, so, yeah, that's that's sort of been, I guess, the TV side of what we do now. So do you think um, it's motivated you more now? Like since you've done the block and now you're obviously doing these things, um, prior to going on there, were you a very motivated person? Were you like, I'm just going to yes. go have a crack type person? You seem to be. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we we both were. Um, and Michael and I actually both come from a performance background because I was, and we met in Japan um, as both doing contracts at Universal Studios in Osaka. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he was, Michael's first job was a, a show skier for SeaWorld. Um, that was his first job out of school and he did that for five years before he got, he auditioned for, Universal Studios and got the lead role in the Waterworld show, um, which is a stunt show. And then I was a singer-dancer, so I um, I was cast in a stage show, yeah, in the – and we all lived and worked in the same place and we all we had – there was purpose-built – built, a purpose-built building for all the um, performers who were – pulled from, you know, an audition pool from uh, Australia, America, England, Canada. Um, Yeah, so that's actually where we met. So we finished those contracts and I would have been, I would have been 21. So we, we we went over there at 19 Finished at about yeah twenty one. Um, were you a Gold Coast girl as well? Where were you from I was originally? From Brisbane. Mm. So we were both actually from Brisbane. Um, Michael moved down when he started SeaWorld, and I moved down when I, I guess I would have been twenty three. But after Japan, Michael started his chippy apprenticeship, and I went to uni um, to do media and communication. So we sort of. I, I think we sort of felt like, well, the, the performing life is fun but it's fickle and it would require us to, like, travel. And we yeah. were both actually 
homebodies and like the Gold Coast and we weren't really willing to sacrifice the lifestyle we have here for that sort of life. Um, So we actually, yeah, had to go and get real jobs in. (laughs) (laughs) Full circle though. (laughs) Yeah, and that's what is so strange because there's nothing normal about our jobs now at all. Um, So it is interesting how you do find yourself in this situation where I know we actually both also need a lot of variety, I think, in our jobs and our lives and what we do now provides us that. So it is interesting how that's all sort of worked out. And so going on these shows, especially the block and those sort of things, how's that for marriage guidance? <laughs> yeah, well. Because <laughs> yeah, you're together the whole time and yeah. obviously yeah, you well, come back and see the kids. interestingly, Michael and I got along better on the block than we than we did in real life. And I think that's because our roles on the show were so separate. Like he was on site all the time building and I was off site so much of the time sourcing and on the road and Melbourne traffic is horrendous, um, especially that inner city traffic. So I, I could be gone most of the day. And there was no, I think because we were both very confident in our individual roles, you know, in building and design, there was no crossover, which meant there was no, I didn't weigh in on, you know, what he had to do and he didn't weigh in on what I had to do. And that you know, the result of that meant we actually were able to do our jobs quite peacefully. Whereas I think when for those couples who go into the show and they're both so green and they don't have any building or design experience, they struggle um, because no one has the confidence to be, you know, going hard with their decisions and they're questioning each other and that's where it can get really hard, I think, on relationships. Um, not all relationships have survived the block. No, um, I understand. No. So it's, but yeah, we somehow, it worked for us, which which is actually surprising. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now obviously you work together. You've got your uh, yeah. leader and Slade. Tell me about yeah. that. What's that do? Uh, I don't love working with Michael in that <laughs> side of things, I have to say, because, uh, I mean, I think because it is back in real life, it is you managing that with real life and kids and family commitments and school run and then the AFL training and that is hard. Um, But, again, we are quite effective in that, yeah, Michael looks after the layout and I look after the rest, but it's, I would say that like the interior styling and design side of Cedar and Sway, it's only a small portion of what we do because the majority of our work is working in, I guess, the media and and fronting brand campaigns and that sort of thing. So it's 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 a funny, and if you know that's slow, then yeah, we we I guess we pick up more design work. But for us, it's just constantly juggling the two and working out the balance and um so if i had to ask you what, what does cedar and sway do as a company or what so as a, what do you do we, we do home design okay yeah yeah um and we create content i guess so we do we get engaged by brands to create videos in the home space so it might be you know renovating a dining table or uh, um, how to use a spray gun. So we do a bit of that and we produce those videos ourselves. Um, Michael actually does the editing. Um, so it, it's very multifaceted and what we offer changes all the time. Um, like right now we're only offering interior styling, which sort of gets Michael out of it. Um, he's got his, he's got other that, things yeah. going on. Yeah. Um, so it, we so we do sort of change it up according to what we otherwise have going on. Um, so we never actually it has it, it actually it, that comes with pros and cons, but it does make it hard to plan. Um, I guess as well because in you know the media space and what we do in that aspect is contract to contract. You just yeah. can't plan for that. It's like being a performer. You don't 
know what your next contract is going to be, um, which, you know, it's, it's that's tough. interesting. No, for <laughs> it's sure. tough. It's tough and it also keeps you on your toes. We can never be complacent. And we also have to keep creative. Like we we will come up with our own ideas and pictures um, and that sort of thing. We've Michael and I actually have renovated four vintage caravans as well. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. The other things we've done and they have been very, very popular. Um, some people come up to us and go, are you the couple that renovate the vintage vans, not are you the couple from the block? So we've there seems to be a bit of a vintage caravan movement happening at the moment. Um, mm. So that's what we... Well, there was before we can't actually go anywhere. Well, that's true, yeah. <laughs> but it, what it does do is provide people some, I guess, an opportunity to actually work on their vans. Yeah, exactly. Um, so so is, that, is that next? Is that the vintage caravan show? No, we've done it. We did a workshop last year. We brought our van to the Brisbane Renault Home Show. What do they call it? The Renault Home Show in Brisbane. Um, and we did a um, we did a workshop. So we actually we ran, I think it was eight workshops over the weekend um, and broke down how to do it. And it's it's actually it's not like renovating a house at all. It's it's all about, you know, you need lightweight materials. Um, you know, you're trying to replicate corner windows of these old Viscounts. It's very, very Specific. Um, so the next thing on my list is to put together a, a how-to book, um, so that people because we just field emails all day with questions on how to do this and how to do that. And apart from about vans or vans, yes, really, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or do we have another van to sell? Um, and I just want to be able to empower people to be able to. Here's the book. And this is how you can do it yourself um, because we had to learn a lot along the way and and we are renovators and Michael is a chippy. So if you're going into this screen with no experience, it's really quite, it's far more intricate than what people first expect. Um, so that's that's on my list of things to do. Um, but, yeah, we, it's... it's we're, what about we're actually, more reality, uh, reality TV? Would you see yourself doing that again? Uh, like yeah, I always, people always ask me... Like with what, sorry? Dancing with the Stars or something like oh, that? Oh, God. Actually, that's Channel 7, so there's no oh, chance sorry. of that. No, <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll never have us. Um, or Big but, Brother's coming back to Channel 9, isn't it? Oh, is it? No, <laughs> never. Ever, ever, ever. Never, ever. I would send Michael and I'm a celebrity to get me out of here, but I would never. You'd never do pay it. me enough to go on I'm a Celebrity. Um I don't think so, and I would. I actually just hope to not be asked because then I'd never have to make the decision. <laughs> Most people ask us, would we go back on the block? But, I mean, leaving your kids one time is hard enough. Like, I cannot imagine doing it again. Doing it again. Um, but on the same note, you would have to be prepared to, I guess, potentially watch somebody else win, you know, 500 grand. Yeah. Um, so that's, I just, if I wasn't asked, then I'd never have to make the decision, which would be good. Be good to send Michael and just get Michael to go. And... <laughs> There's a theme to this, Carly. Yeah, you know. <laughs> oh, no good. What do you, um, if your kids turn around and say, like, say I was talking to your kids now, I said, what do mum and dad do? What do they think? Oh, they, oh, they wouldn't have a clue. They Honestly, I, didn't, I don't even know how to answer that question. And what do they tell your mate? What do they tell their mates? Oh, they'll say, oh, she's a designer and they do some <laughs> TV stuff. Um, you know, they do some stuff on Instagram. They just, honestly, they... Oh, I, I, I myself do not know how to explain what we do, um, so they don't stand a chance. And my sister said, my sisters are like, if people ask them what I do, she goes, I don't know. Like, honestly, no one can answer the question because it's so, it's so multifaceted that it on, honestly just changes all the time. So would you class yourself as an entrepreneur? Um, it, well, that's funny because I... 
actually hate the business side of business. <laughs> Fair enough. But um, I, yes, yes. Um, because we do make opportunities for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, yes, in that respect. Um, but Mark, Mark and I will both tell you we are not in business because we love business because there are those people who love business. And yeah, I'm one of those. Yeah, we are very right-brained and we love the creative side of, you know, video production and I love the creative side of home design Um and we love to perform, so that's there's no there's nothing creative in what we do for you know as TV hosts, but we do enjoy performing. Um, so I guess we do what we do because, and we're very, very I appreciate how fortunate we are to say um, we do what we do and we love it. Um, I don't know about entrepreneur though. That's I have to get back to you on that one. I can call myself that. I guess, I guess in theory, yes, maybe. Well, you, are, you are to a point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what about being recognised in the street? Are you recognised as oh, that's those guys from the block, or uh, that's those guys off that particular commercial, or your TV, um, your TV yeah, shows? Yeah, all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it depends. Like a lot of people actually. I've got a quite a good little Cedar and Suede community who um, love what we do in that respect um, and you know, who may only just like because in terms of our social media accounts, that's its own account. And, yeah, some people actually just recognise, and that is me, that's my baby. Yeah. Um, I don't give Michael any credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even have access. <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, sometimes I recognise the, the work we do in that space and, yeah, sometimes it's the walk and and sometimes it's the vans and sometimes, yeah, it's that Deco Rug commercial. So <laughs> it, it, yeah, it changes all the time. And how do, you, how do you deal with that? Like, for instance, you go on the block, you, you obviously understand that you're going to now start getting recognised and all that sort of stuff. Is that something that was hard to, um, to sort of deal with up front at first? Um, it was an adjustment. Mm. But I have to say I don't really now, I mean, what are we, six years on, I don't think about it. And I think because, I mean, where we live, People expect to see our faces, and we don't, you know, we don't venture that far for our postcode. Um, so I guess we're not often approached, or people will just, you know, smile and wave for the yeah. most part. Um, it's if we travel, like if we go to Melbourne, it's probably a little bit more, but not even then. Like people are very respectful of not invading your privacy if they see you with your family and that sort of thing. Um, but I would say, yeah, at first when the show is hot and it's you're on their television screens five days a week, you have to expect that you are going to be approached every time you leave the house. Um, but I would say that also, you know that's going to die down and you just accept that that's how it is. And, and what about the paps and stuff? Did you have any issues with... Um... Any of that sort of taking photos inappropriately and doing all that sort of stuff, or never no. come across? No, no, none of that, to be honest. Oh, that's and good. yeah, we we didn't experience. I mean, a magazine did put us on their cover and say we were having our third child, but you <laughs> <laughs> just had we, uh, Yeah, that's right. Um, they actually used a shot from the promo day, so it, I mean, they can do whatever they like. But um, that's that's probably the – and even then I was sort of like, oh, well, you know, as soon as you read the article, you see that that's not true. And even if it was true, just, you know, who even cares? if people think that, who cares? <laughs> um, so nothing – no, nothing sinister or malicious or anything like that. But maybe that's also because we weren't juicy enough. I mean, we didn't <laughs> – yeah, you went on there to win money. It was that simple, yeah, really. Wasn't yeah, it? that's right. So no, we and I, no one from the block really experiences that. A lot of that, um, I think, that's more associated with. I don't know, the Bachelor, maybe or yeah. yeah. We 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 fared pretty well. 
Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So if you could look back now and, and sort of have a discussion with 16-year-old Carlene in school in Brisbane mm -hmm. and tell her what, what, what I've done in life to date and where I'm at, any, any particular advice you'd give her? Um, I would say just relax. Um, I actually think 16-year-old Carleen was pretty ballsy, actually. So she <laughs> probably had more guts than what I have now. But I would say, um, I would say to always go with your gut and yep. to listen to that small inner voice a bit more so that there's certain things that you don't do. Um, but also to follow a path that feels right. Because when I graduated from school, I, I started a degree in drama education, which was absurd because I never want to be a teacher. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're homeschooling now, out, though. What's that? You're homeschooling now, though. I'm, well, well. Sort <laughs> of. Supervising. Sort of. Supervising, yeah. <laughs> um, just because, uh, I mean, I mean, it's it's very easy to listen to your parents and go to uni and do the right thing. I worked out very quickly into that course that if I spent four years you know, doing this double degree that I will never use and that's absurd um, and I, I dropped it and started a performing arts course outside of uni and I think making those gutsy decisions has worked well for me and whenever I haven't done that, I've always regretted it. So I would say always take the path that feels challenging um, but like you're being true to yourself. Is that the same advice that you'd give to your kids? 100%. I've got one of my son is, he's very academic, but he's also loves sport and he also loves music and he loves performing and he's actually a really, um, he's very talented with drama and I was like, I really it's you just never know. I mean, we don't even know what sort of jobs are going to be available to yeah, our exactly. Um, couldn't even hazard a guess. But it's I would never want him to choose an academic path just because he's smart. I really hope he always yeah. just does what he enjoys and is and never no one ever tells him otherwise. With my daughter, she's a firecracker. Um <laughs> Is that a mum as a young girl? Yeah, well, I, yeah, <laughs> I was hard-headed as a, as a kid that um, she's worse, I think. Um, I just, I will, yeah, so, I mean, I'll say the same thing to her. She, she's one of those kids who, who knows, but she'll always, she actually told me she, she never wants to work, that she just, she actually said, can we just not work when we're older? <laughs> and I said, no, um, which that blows my mind because even as a kid, I always fantasised about what what I would do as a job, you know, what I would have as a career and, and what I would do when, as, when I was older. And I've always wanted to work and I was, I've been working since I was 15 and you know, at some points had multiple jobs. It just, it, I just think it's so hilarious that I've bred this child who, <laughs> no, she just does not want to work. So um, who she knows? She marry rich, Mum. What's that? She just wants to marry rich. I think she does. <laughs> I'm not going to tell her that's a good idea, but um, no. I think she's going to grow out of it. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny as I've got, as I say, I've got four kids and to um, to sort of see what they want to do five years ago compared to what they want to do now. And my mm -hmm. eldest has gone through year 12. So wow. she's, uh, she's sort of now, oh, dear, I actually got to make a decision in my life, which yeah. I think is way too young for kids to make decisions anyway. Oh, it's crazy. I it's, mean, we're having career changes all the time. I'm 38. Yeah. Um, it's, it is. It's it's insanity to think they can make any, like, worthy decision something that just keeps them busy I mean you want them to keep busy and engaged and and interested but to, to choose a path that they think they're going to do for the rest of their life is insanity 
Yeah, especially at such a young age. It's, it's, mm. uh, we, we just say to them, as long as you become good humans, I don't really care. And yeah, as long as you're actually advice. doing something and you're working, then that's good too because I don't want you in my house for the rest of your life. Exactly. Get a job, any job. <laughs> any job, and on your 18th birthday, you're welcome to move you're out. out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a few questions I always ask at the end of my podcast, and one of them is, what's your greatest achievement in life? Oh, God. It's pretty deep, isn't it? Yeah. <gasps> wow. What is my greatest achievement? Well, I, I would say it's, I guess, what we've built for ourselves here in terms of, you know, our career. Um, yep. I should say my kids, but I just, you know, gave birth to them. No. Um, just gave birth. Just gave birth to them. <laughs> Hope for the best. Um, it's it's really doing what we're doing five, six years on because yeah. everyone said, you know, your star will only shine bright for a short period of time. And I don't think that's true. I actually think, um, you know, the term the luckier, the harder I work, the luckier I get has been true for us and we've flogged ourselves and we've taken risks um, and we've sort of ridden the storm a lot because it's such a fickle industry that we work in. Um, so I would say just the the ability to keep on keeping and never sort of second-guessing ourselves in terms of what we've built here has probably been my greatest achievement. A great way to live life too. And yeah. to be actually proud of stuff that you do today, tomorrow, the next day is something that not enough people do, in my opinion. I agree. What about the person or people who have had the most influence on your career? Is there one person in particular or other than your husband, obviously, because he's a massive influence? Yeah. Um, is, there, is there like one person in particular or one group in particular that's helped you the most get to where you are? Not... Really? And actually, I've been asked this before by a business coach and she said, who do you look to as like a guide? And I think because like the balance of what we do is fairly unique, there's not one person who strictly does what we do in terms of the design aspect and the media aspect and the TV and that sort of thing. But when we first started working in the media industry, I often sought advice from Shelley Craft, mm-hmm. um, who, I mean, just, you know, in with she's a brand ambassador and she works in TV. Um, she, yeah, I would call her a lot and just seek advice. Um, so she's been a good guide. Um, and, you know, she's always always got ideas. She's like, how about you do this and how about you do this? Um, and then I guess in the design space, which I sort of look at is quite separate to a degree, even though a lot of time they do cross over. There's people like Emily Henderson who runs a successful design and styling blog in the US. And we don't, like I don't, we don't have a, a my blog is, you know, I write on it whenever I want to. Um, but I think she, I just, I guess I look to her for her sense of authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I guess because she does, you know, she's got a target brand partnership and she has clients and she, you know, does what we do to a, like a, a degree. Um, so I guess I just sort of pick and choose my role models, but I don't think there's any one person that's influenced our our career, per se. Sounds good. Okay, quick fire questions. Favourite food? Um, Pasta. Oh, I I love and I love donuts, gluten-free donuts. I love donuts. Oh, my God, just the hot cinnamon 
So that's my um, that's my death row meal. The, the gluten-free donuts from down at the Hotter Markets down at oh, the Gold Coast. Oh, this so is so good. Well, I get them from the PBC markets. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favourite song? Oh, hell. Oh, my gosh. Favourite song. Oh, hang on. Um, Oh, it's probably a country one. Oh, I don't think that. I really love um, Cowboy and Me by Tim McGraw. We, we listen to country. A country. <laughs> but it actually, we actually have a fairly broad genre of music that we listen to. <laughs> yeah. Where's your favourite place in the world? Oh, surely it's the Gold Coast. Of course. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty awesome. I do want to eat my way around Italy because we only went there sort of briefly. Um, but I've got to say the Gold Coast. I like the way you want to eat your way around places. I just, oh, that's yeah, just yeah, awesome. Yeah. There's nothing yeah. better when you're when you're travelling or you're on holidays. Yeah, no, no, no. That's what it's all about. That's been yeah. the problem with isolation. Someone said I've lost five kilos. I found them. So <laughs> one of those things. Okay, so what's next for Carleen Duffy? Um, I'm going to tie up some styling projects um, and I really want to knuckle down on this how to renovate a vintage caravan book because there is a deep need for it um, and I, it's something I think I'll be very proud of at the end of the day. We also want to, we've nearly finished our home but it's not quite there so once it's completely finished I want to be able to run interior styling workshops from the house okay. um, so that's in the brand plan but i need to have a finished house for that so <laughs> God knows it, it never happens does it you always no. i'm gonna no. do that or then this pops up and yeah there. yeah well carlene thanks so much for your time today i really appreciate it. it's been fun and as far as i'm concerned you're an awesome human thanks so much oh. for joining me thank you for having me What an amazing human. Thank you so much for listening today. I really hope that you enjoy the rest of the Podfire podcast and I really hope that you enjoyed Awesome Humans. Reach out to us on Podfire and all the social media channels as well as BJ Macker uh, to reach out to me personally. Have a great day.